0: Welcome to the Warrior to Warrior podcast, storytelling and skills to invite present-centered awareness where we can remember we're so much more than anxiety and stronger than we think we are. In this episode i'm back in conversation with amy pruitt my former podcast co-host who has the time to join me for a show every once in a while amy is a long time registered nurse and now a teacher of yoga and ayurveda and a yoga studio owner as she recognized that she wanted a more holistic approach to healthcare, so she broadened her studies several years ago we are going to be talking about caring for others whether that be our family in our communities or at work and how we can care for others without losing ourselves and if we have strong boundaries how caring for others can be very nourishing but how that can be so challenging in various professions and in various family systems and we also talk about an opportunity for you to help in a way that we hope will be very nourishing, a way for you to support the healing of a healthcare worker. So please enjoy this conversation with Amy. What have you been doing this summer that's just for you?
1: I am spending a ton of time outside and that looks like playing with the little ones, learning how to play cornhole from an eight-year-old and lots of gardening, lots of digging in the dirt and walking in the dirt and moving dirt and walking my dog Lucy and sitting on the front porch watching the weather. We have really wild weather in Ohio sometimes. So we have crazy storms and thunder and lightning. And we have all kinds of woodland creatures in my backyard, like groundhogs and skunks and deer. And so just spending a ton of time just being outside and watching the weather go by and playing with babies and growing things. So that's what I've been doing.
0: You know, I love to hear that because maybe longtime listeners of this podcast know that you know your history is a lot of burnout in the healthcare industry. And now you're an empty nester. And I know that you started your own business and that had its own challenges during the pandemic. So to hear that this summer is bringing you a lot of peace, I know you moved into a new place, but you're able to just enjoy it and enjoy the outdoors. I do love to hear that. Um, As for me, and I did get permission from my daughter to speak about this, uh, my daughter came home in the spring from her launch into Scotland and she's been struggling like so many young people have been struggling over the last two and a half years. And so when she first arrived and, you know, things were more acute, just like I would imagine in your industry when something is really acute, I mean, everything else goes out the window and there you are, you're just tending to that. Totally. And so I felt like the spring when she first came home was just a lot of acute attending to somebody else and i can just so very thankfully report that all of the ways that we've been able to resource her and resource ourselves as a family because when stuff is going on with our kiddos you know it's not just like the kiddo issue it's like an entire family issue so i can happily state that she is happier than I have seen her in years. And a big part of our summer has been getting her her driver's license because because of what's been going on, because of her struggles. And again, I have permission to say this. She doesn't want to have this be a shameful situation. Um, But because of her struggles with her type of OCD that has a lot of really awful intrusive thoughts and anxiousness. She never thought that she would be able to drive. Mm. So she kind of thought that driving a car was just something she'd never be able to do. And there was such a lack of freedom in that. When we lived in uh, the city of Vancouver, you didn't really need a car. You could go anywhere. It's just so pedestrian friendly. And the um, public transit system is just so incredible. But in California, As most people know, who've even heard of this place, everything is so spread out. You need a car. That's where we are now. And so she gave it a try and turns out not only is she driving, but it is her absolute favorite thing to do. Mm, I love that. So it's such a different experience. Everywhere she needs to go, she just goes. And, you know, parents with older kids who've had their license for a while, that is so unique at first, and then you get used to it. So we're still just kind of in that unique part of it and really celebrating all of this kind of newfound freedom and also celebrating that moment where our brain changes, when we show ourselves that we can do something that we never thought we could do and how that informs Everything else in our life. Well, wait a minute. If the thing I was most afraid of is something not only can I do, but I'm good at it and I love it, it brings me a lot of joy. Where else have I, you know, have these thoughts of mine been wrong about what I can do?
1: I love that that is leading to all rippling out into the rest of her life.
0: It really, really is. And so, as far as what I've been doing for myself this summer, I completely admit that in the spring, again, when something is more acute and there's so much unhappiness and struggle with somebody that you love, for me anyway, and and I think for a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of clients, when mental health is even acute, it's so much harder to do things for yourself. And maybe that's exactly the moment where you need to the most, but at times it's just impossible. And I, I think that you can probably relate to this as well, Amy, when your work was at its hardest, when you're finally extricated yourself from something that is so intense for you, there's just an exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get yourself to mobilize. And it's hard to get yourself to do all those things that maybe you should do, which then makes it worse Mm -hmm. because you're not doing those things. So I finally feel now Like, I'm also grappling with the answer to a question that I want to talk with you about. I heard Cheryl Strayed, you know, one of our favorite authors, she wrote that book Wild and Tiny Beautiful Things and the Dear Sugar column. I just love her. And I heard her on a podcast recently ask, can I be happy if my kids aren't? It took me a little while to kind of get my bearings and then realize that both and can be true. And so for me, I would say it's very simple, the things that I'm doing for myself. I'd say my mornings are mine. And those are the times where I walk without distraction or I sit in the backyard and listen to the birds and just enjoy a breakfast again without distraction. I I practice, you know, I just really give myself the mornings. And then the other thing that when I was thinking about what I was really doing for myself this summer is I started reading fiction books again. We've been studying for so many years. For me, it's like 13 years of books for learning. Mm-hmm. Every time I had an opportunity to read, it was all about learning, but now I, I've had enough of <laughs> <laughs> looking for better versions of myself, I think. And I just want to be able to read for the love of it and the enjoyment of it. So I'm actually looking for suggestions. I've started a couple of different books that friends and my parents have suggested. But right now I'm reading The Devil in the White City. Have you heard of that or read that? It's an older book, isn't it? about is it about a, like a serial killer? Well, yeah. And that part's not right for me as I'm realizing. <laughs> it was sold to me as like this incredible history of the city of Chicago. Yeah. And um, it was between that or Shantaram. These are both older books. I recognize that I am so behind the eight ball and not reading them. And that's how long it's been since I've picked up a fiction. I am realizing that I may not be able to get through it as I see where this is going.
1: <laughs> I miss reading. I used to... I mean, when I was a little kid and a teenager and growing up, I, even when my kids were little, I always was reading something for enjoyment and I could get lost in a book and I could stay up all night reading a book. Like you said, we started these paths of growth and we were reading books for different topics we were studying. After that, I have tried to sit down and read for pleasure. I can't. I would love to return to that and my mind is still not settled enough to be able to sit and read for pleasure. I still have this active dialogue happening that's very distracting when I'm trying to focus on just reading and getting a, you know absorbing myself into
0: a book. So I envy that. I would love to be able to get back to that. Well, that's why I did it too because I could feel I know that our brains have changed mm-hmm. in the last 3 years. Absolutely, just based on On all of the distractions and how hunkered down we were and how social media became an even bigger part of our lives. And then also how alluring everything that is going on in in the world is, it just doesn't feel like you can look away. And I could feel myself not being able to focus Mm -hmm. and it was really affecting like a meditation practice and all of that. And so uh, it was a little bit purposeful deciding, okay, I just need to read and I started by getting like a daily reader. It was, it was really cool. I Sometimes I'll go to a bookstore and I'll just let myself find the right book at the right moment. And there's a specific bookstore that I use for this. I was visiting my parents over the summer. Actually, that was something that was so incredibly nourishing for me. Just spending time with people that love you and you love, that are easy to be around, that are comfortable for you. And in this case, at this point in my life, that is my parents and visiting them where they live, which is a place that I feel very at home in, in British Columbia, Canada. There's my favorite bookstore there. And let myself wander until something called to me and it was a daily reader And basically, it's like 365 pages of just portions of important reads, according to this author. So a collection of great poets or philosophers, great works of fictions, and you just read a couple of paragraphs, and then there's... Um, some reflection prompts to think about and even some writing prompts. And that's what I started with because I thought, okay, I can focus on a page. Right. Little chunks. (laughs) That's right. And then that started to go well. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. And, um, For sure, it's probably going to be about finding the books that are the most absorbing, but I'm, yeah, I'm kind of forcing myself. I do want to get back to that. And so I relate with what you're saying perfectly. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the question that I've been asking myself that Cheryl Strayed so beautifully asked herself on that podcast for all of us to hear. Can we be happy if our kids are not I always love to look to mothers who are farther down the road of parenting than I am. Your kids have been out of the house for years. Mm-hmm. And um I, I know that you did some work around um some emotional boundaries and living life for yourself. Can you share a little bit about that? As we
1: become new mothers, brand new mothers, we have babies and small children and we invest everything into them. They are literally cells of our own body that are now walking out in the world. And so there's not only that emotional, spiritual connection, there's a very like visceral, physical connection. We literally made people right with our bodies or we had children come to us that we cared for 24 seven and, and have nurtured and loved and watched them grow. So there's such a blurring of boundaries when it comes to emotions and aching when they are hurting. Physically, I can remember my chest hurting when my children were somehow either unhappy or heartbroken or struggling and spending decades raising these people. If they are struggling with something, there has to be a very intentional Conversation I have with myself about what is theirs and what is mine and what is ours, and trying to recognize that you can love them, support them, nurture them, care for them, assist them if it feels appropriate, but also not consuming your whole life with what. Happening to them because they are a different person. They are an individual. I can't speak for fathers, but as a mother, I know that that is a very difficult boundary to recognize about what is theirs, what is mine, what is ours, what is appropriate to help them with, or assist them with, or support them. And also how that can be harmful if we do that too much. We're doing too much rescuing, or too much managing, or intervening. I had to recognize that that could be harmful in my relationships with my children, that I could be stunting their growth, their emotional growth, their spiritual growth, their intellectual growth. If I was rescuing or coming in at every every situation or reacting to every crisis or drama or happening, and then how that wasn't leaving space for my own life for my own joy, my own happiness, my own contentment if i was constantly reacting or investing myself in my children's day-to-day happiness. and that was a, that was hard for me to kind of extract myself from that and give myself permission to have a full life and prioritize your own emotional well-being which that's a hard one as a mom to prioritize myself before anyone else. Like that feels sticky sometimes. Like oh god. <laughs> you know, but also like I am more than just a mom. Also it's hard when your children are preteens or they're maturing or they're struggling with friend issues or peer pressure or substances or heartbreak, like their first heartbreak. Oh my god. <laughs> like that that just killed me and you know, how I wanted to just absorb their pain out of them so that they didn't have to feel pain. The best thing we can do is just let them have their experiences and support them in the ways that we can to keep them safe, but also allow them to grow into like full developed humans that walk in the world as individuals who have good resilience and good emotional intelligence. And so, Short answer. That was a long answer. Short answer is, I think you can find happiness and joy, even if your children are struggling or having moments in their lives that they would say they don't feel happy.
0: My heart actually got bigger and my ability to hold many emotions at the same time got bigger because, Mm -hmm. yes, our children will hurt and we walk we can can we learn to walk next to them through that, and when we are concerned for our children's very lives, which can happen in these crises of of mental health, it calls upon more of us. And when there is that kind of darkness uh, going on in in a family, there was a part of my heart that that felt all of that even if I was on a hike and witnessing something beautiful and could fully feel that beauty and could fully feel the love of friendships and the love of other family and the enjoyment for what I do and the enjoyment of beautiful moments. And always at the same time, you know, there is just that there's there's pain as well. And it was definitely a unique experience to Feel all of that at the same time, and and definitely it's like a seesaw. You know, there would be times of the day, or different times where you'd sink more into one of them than the other. But many things can exist there. I'm just happy to report that there is so much more hope than there has been, and it's just that kernel of hope that I think can be so helpful when it comes to you. You know, I think about you when you talk about thinking about who you are as well as being a mother who else are you? Well you chose a career path and 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 I did in some way as well too where your entire job is also caring for others so you're caring for family at home and then you're going to work and you're caring for people who really need your time and attention. I know that you're still working as a nurse. I know that your role has changed, but for 25 years, I mean, you were in emergency rooms, you were treating people who were often in crisis.
1: Um, In the beginning, I did not do it well. I looked at it initially as a calling and I was very drawn to wanting to be involved in people's health journey. But also with that comes a lot of witnessing the best and the worst of people and the best and the worst of myself. You know, I talked about the boundaries that bleed over when you have children, being a parent. There was a lot of boundaries that were crossed across my career, allowing this job, basically, to bleed into all the other aspects of my life, really dictate everything about everything else. My schedule, things that I would miss, activities or holidays or getting the kids up for school or being there when they got home. It's a career that becomes your identity. And there's a lot of ego in that too. I had a lot of ego to struggle with being a nurse. And then I had to be a trauma nurse and I had to work at the biggest, baddest trauma center in our region. And then I had to be in charge of it. Right. And and so there was a lot of feeding of my ego that can be addictive. You know, oh I do this thing. That's very important. But meanwhile, other aspects of my life are suffering. My home life was suffering. My schedule was suffering. My health was suffering. My children, you know, didn't see me. There was no predictability. I had, I was never able to develop a routine because of the crazy hours that we work. When you're exposed to so much trauma and so much drama and you become, I did, I became numb to a lot of, you know, happenings around me. It took me a long time to realize that not everyone lives that kind of life, that what I was seeing every day and being immersed in every day was not all that humanity had to offer. And I didn't have to work like this. I felt like I had to do this. And it was all I ever did. And it was all I ever knew. And then I would look at other people who would work like a a typical Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday. And somehow they were sustained. They made a good living. They had a nice work-life balance. I never had a good work-life balance. I regret that because I think I could have had it if I had recognized that that was possible. Everyone around you is doing the same thing. All my coworkers were working super hard and long hours and sacrificing because this important thing that we were doing was also feeding our ego. And we felt like this was an important thing that we needed to do, even if we were sacrificing parts of ourselves recognizing now that I would be traumatized by something I was experiencing at work and coming home and disassociating, you know, for the rest of the night and, mm-hmm. or being irritable or sharp or short with my children, because they just couldn't understand what I had, what I was going through. And, you know, I did, that was wrong of me to put on them. They just needed their mom and they didn't their mom to be present. And I allowed that, Time of my life to take too much of a priority in my life.
0: So very human. When you have a job, whether you're a nurse or a therapist, any role that you have where you are sitting as a human being with another human being who is in perhaps intense pain, either physically or emotionally. We're humans and we're there and it's our job in that moment to be either caretaking or offering or holding space for in some way. And I think in these professions, it takes time and practice and a lot of skill to be able to wholeheartedly be there. And I guess I can only speak for me in the role that I'm at at a behavioral health center sitting and witnessing groups and doing one-on-one with clients who are typically struggling and sometimes very deeply with mental health issues, how can I be there in that moment, just completely, fully present and heart open for that suffering human being? And this is what I train for in order to be able to help that person relieve their own suffering in some way. And then how can you walk out the door, not shut it off because that's impossible. But I think how can we learn to send our attention to channel our attention and our energy in another way or back to ourselves or back to what we need, back to family, back to these other aspects of who we are. That I think takes time and practice. And it takes making some of those quote-unquote mistakes and um I know that you would say it if you heard a friend say it because friends say it to me when I go into my regrets about parenting but I know you know that at the time Amy that you were doing the best that you could with what you knew I agree
1: my heart aches because I feel like I'm on the outside of it now that I have good I have better boundaries when it comes to work life balance mm-hmm. and it's a constant work of mine to not fall into that pattern of overdoing, overworking, overproducing, over extending myself. So I'm that's a big work of mine that I'm always revisiting, but I can see it still in the people that I work with or the lifelong friends that I have made in my profession. And I just want to say there's more. Like there's more to your life than this. Like don't fall for it. You know, don't fall for this idea that you have to kill yourself for a profession, that's hard to express to them in a way that lands. And that's their own journey to
0: find. Hmm. But I can see it. you go again. Isn't that interesting? It's like you want to be able to Mm -hmm. make perhaps up and coming nurses that are just heading into this profession here like wait, there's more, but isn't that interesting again, whether it's our own kids, it's it's mm-hmm. our friends, our clients, whoever it may be, is everybody has to walk their own path and it's their own journey. And all of this mm-hmm. information, I mean, mm-hmm. I still think it's so incredibly important to get out there because sometimes you are in a position where you are ready to have the seed planted or you're ready to mm-hmm. hear something. So what would you want to say to nurses who are just getting in now or planning to?
1: I would want to say to them, don't fall for it. When somebody is playing on your emotions, that they need you to work an extra day, or they need you to work an extra four hours today, or they need you to, and I did this as a charge nurse, I would, you know, we would be short staffed. And then every day, every single day was a crisis that is put on the, on the nurses, the frontline nurses to fix. And that's not our job to fix. Our job is to fix, is to take care of patients. It's administration's job to staff the facilities. And they put that on nurses. And so I would be on the phone playing on people's emotions myself because I was desperate to get people to come into work. And I would say to new nurses, don't fall for it when when you are being asked to go above and beyond what prioritizes your family, your joy, your vacation, your time off. It doesn't matter what you're doing on your time off. It doesn't matter if you're doing nothing. That's your time off. Having really, really good boundaries around what your job actually is and what it is not you are the ceo of your license you don't you are you are not beholden to any healthcare system or any institution you work for your license and so making that that you are a business of one you know you are the ceo of your business which is your one nursing license and prioritizing that and how can you maximize that to benefit the rest of your life because the other parts of your life will suffer prioritizing your exercise, prioritizing meals, prioritizing hydration and sleep. I would get phone calls at two o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning asking if I could work, if I could be at the hospital at seven o'clock in the morning. And so one of the things that I, that came out of that and other aspects of my life is my phone lives on do not disturb. (laughs) It lives on it. And if somebody needs to reach me, they'll get a hold of me. If it's an emergency and I look, I, you know, all of our phones are usually attached to us in some way. So I'm looking at my phone often enough to see if I have a text or if I have a missed call, but I don't have to be activated all the time now with somebody trying to get me. Nobody really never is not able to get a hold of me. I, it just might take a little bit longer or it might be after I wake up. It's not going to be in the middle of the night. And that practice alone, putting my phone on do not disturb and intentionally picking up my phone and looking at it as opposed to every ding or email or phone call or ring. That's a game changer
0: right there. I like those two questions that you're prompting us to ask, which is when it comes to work, what's your job and what isn't your job? Mm-hmm. You know, not that you're not going to be flexible at some times, but I mean, obviously it gets overboard. And then also mm-hmm. when it comes to your interpersonal relationships, what's mm-hmm. Yours and what's not yours. You know, mm-hmm. the, there's just so much overlap when it comes to our work, what we do for our work and what we do in our personal lives as well. Yeah. I just had this
1: conversation with a physician. There's a department that I work with in the hospital that does procedures and they're dramatically short staffed to the point where they're having to put off procedures and which is keeping patients in the hospital for days longer to get their procedure done. He, he was like putting it on me as like, well, what are you doing to help fix this? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 nope. Mm-mm. Not on me, not on nurses to fix this. We have done a lot. We've gone above and beyond our whole careers and we are still in a crisis. So this is not solvable by
0: nurses. This is not solvable yeah. by just working more and more and more, working this one community of people more and more and more. Right. When you're in school, when you're learning patient care, are there lessons and advice on setting those boundaries between what is that patient's and then what is yours? I mean, obviously, people that are going into this profession are natural caretakers, they're the helpers they are, Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't be going into it at all. And helpers, it's so easy for helpers to go above and beyond and to take the needs of that patient with them out the door and to have some of what that they experienced, continue to live within them in their personal lives and have it take over. Are are there any teachings about how to do that, about how to stay human and, and have your heart open, but be able to know what's not yours when you leave the hospital?
1: When I did my first program to become an RN, no, there was absolutely nothing. There was just this constant drilling down of fear of not harming anybody. Don't do that or you might kill somebody. Don't do that or you might kill somebody. Don't do that or you might kill somebody. And so there's this high stress, high anxiety inducing daily indoctrination of young nurses, this hyper vigilance that is created. And, and obviously, it is important to do all of the checks and balances so that you are caring for people in a safe manner. But it's this brutal, like boot camp. And my first program, I think, 50% of the people that started with me graduated with me. And whether it was because they took themselves out of the program, or they were asked to leave the program. So there was already this survival mentality of becoming a nurse. And then I advanced my degree. And in my second degree, there was more of that. And this school that I went to was very intentional on alternative therapies and Reiki and meditation and incorporating that in your practices and how do you care for yourself first. But it also still felt there was a disconnect, like we were hearing it. We should be caring for ourselves first because we're the helpers, but also like do a thousand papers and presentations and PowerPoints and statistics and blah, 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 blah. But don't forget to meditate, <laughs> you know, and, um, and write a paper on alternative therapies, but use appropriate citations in APA style. And there, it felt weird. Um, it wasn't landing for me in a way. I'm pretty open to these practices and it still felt like a task. So it's just another thing added to your to-do list. Because we have yet to solve the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health of nurses. We haven't solved that yet. Until we prioritize that, there feels like there's going to be this disconnect of, oh, make sure you build your resilience. Oh, make sure you practice self-care. Oh, Make sure you exercise and drink enough water, but we're not going to give you any time during the day to do those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're going to ask you to come in on your days off. So you yet again, can't do those things. And we're not probably going to give you a lot of money (laughs) to have your downtime from work be match the level of intensity that you would need to balance out the level of intensity of your work life. So there is that and the pandemic peeled back all those things even more, shone a light to me and to a lot of people around me. We don't have to do this. We don't have to work like this. We don't have to sacrifice ourselves like this anymore. We can still be nurses. We can still care for patients. We can still work full-time in a hospital, but yet we can put boundaries around when we're not there or the hours that we don't work extra to solve the problems that are not ours to solve.
0: You and I started to Talk about this because not only of your own experience, but how we started to just hear from healthcare workers that there was just so much trauma and everything was heightened during the pandemic. And what was asked of healthcare workers during the pandemic was just absolutely untenable. And in our last podcast conversation, we dove pretty deeply into that. And we also talked about in our small way and based on your experience. And like many healthcare workers who felt that the system wasn't really taking a holistic approach with people, you obviously went into the practices of Ayurveda and, and yoga, and you're offering so much more of this holistic healing method. And so we thought, again, in our own small way that we could offer something to healthcare workers that was free for them and. It was just a a kernel at our last conversation, and we've spent as much time as we could over the summer crafting what we can announce now, which is an opportunity to sponsor the healing of a healthcare worker. So this is an opportunity for healthcare workers to come free to a therapeutic three-month online program that we are going to hold space uh, for including we're bringing in other beautiful teachers in order to offer healthcare workers an opportunity to soothe their nervous systems and maybe process and integrate some of what they've gone through and restore their exhausted bodies and minds and hearts So we wanted to share that here. If you're listening, whether you know a healthcare worker personally or not, this is an opportunity for you to sponsor their healing. So what that is going to look like is that you can go to one of our websites and we'll give those addresses in just a minute. You can find those in the um, podcast notes as well but your sponsorship means that a healthcare worker can come for free and be a part of this three-month container. We're going to be meeting regularly throughout the month at different times that work for a nurse's schedule because we have you, Amy, also as a nurse, knowing that the schedules are crazy. So we have these different times in order to accommodate that. Healthcare workers that want to join us, maybe you've left the profession because you're completely burnt out. That's okay. You can use this program. As uh, a part of your healing and your restoration, we're going to have an opportunity to have a safe container where you can hold space for one another, if that feels appropriate for you. And again, we're going to have guest teachers that are going to be giving you so many different tools to help you restore your nervous system and to find that spark again? Mm,
1: I'm so excited for this to start. I just can't wait to meet all the healthcare workers and get to know them and be able to offer these practices that you and I both know have had such an impact on our well-being Mm -hmm. and be able to begin to offer that to them. I'm, I am over the moon about this program.
0: Okay. All right. So, if you are listening and you want to sponsor the healing of a healthcare worker, whether you know one personally or not, you can go to amypruitt.com or lisadumas.com. Um, if you are a Canadian that wants to sponsor, come to my site. If you are a U.S. Uh, resident that wants to sponsor, go to Amy's site. And if you are a healthcare worker, go to amypruitt.com. com as well, and again, we're going to have that in the show notes uh, to make that a little bit easier for you. And we are going to start our program on September tenth. The first one will run for three months, and if that is not enough, there is likely going to be opportunities to stay as we have this opportunity to to create this program that I can't wait for either.
1: So for healthcare workers, this program is absolutely free they will be with us for three months. And during that three months, they get a class on the weekends and then a cl- that same class will happen again during the middle of the week because we recognize that healthcare workers' schedules are bonkers and you may not be able to attend on a weekend or during the week. So you have an opportunity not to miss any of the content. All of the classes will be live streamed and recorded. So if you can't attend during the live class, you can watch the episode whenever suits your schedule, you will have access to all of the live streaming classes that are offered through my studio. So three months of unlimited live streaming classes, and then you will also get access to all of Lisa's classes. So three months of unlimited live streaming of all of her offerings. So a ton of content just for you, totally free. And then the opportunity, if you are not a healthcare worker, to sponsor a healthcare worker and show your gratitude and thanks for all that the
0: healthcare workers do. And if you are willing to sponsor a healthcare worker, we also want to give you a gift. If you make that beautiful decision to sponsor the healing of a healthcare worker, you will receive one month of unlimited membership to Amy's incredible Yoga Studios content either online or if you happen to be local in Columbus, Ohio, in person. And you'll also receive one month uh, part of the Warrior to Warrior Yoga Therapy Program. And there's a library of over 100 therapeutic practices there, as well as live stream classes as well. So we'll just thank you in advance for um, finding our sites and clicking on the work with me or practice with me to find the healing for healthcare workers pages and being so generous to sponsor the healing of a healthcare worker so we can receive um, as many healthcare workers as hear about this and want to take part in this. And we just also ask you maybe to spread the word about this.
1: Yeah, that would be great to reach out to any healthcare workers that you know that you think could benefit from this program, as well as people that really want to show gratitude for the healthcare workers.
0: Love it. All right. Well, I'll let you go to go back to spending more time outside and taking Mm. care of you. And I look forward to helping you share many of the different skills that I know helped you restore after your experience of burnout in that profession. Yeah, me too. Thanks again for listening to the Warrior to Warrior podcast. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to give this podcast a five-star review. You can do that in the Apple podcast app. It helps other people to find the show. Thank you so much.